0: Itself, but it will pay down debt. There are moral. We reject the ideology of globalism and we embrace the doctrine of patriotism. Not only will this tax plan pay for itself, but it will pay down debt. There are moral and legal
1: obligation
2: questions that I think we'll have to wrestle with as a society. When we as people go wobbly on the truth, we go wobbly on America.
1: All you have to do is look at the numbers, look
2: at what we've done. And this is only the beginning. And this is 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. You're listening to Evidence of Design. I'm your host, Jason Taylor, joined in the studio by my good friends and co-hosts, Matt Treadwell. Good morning. And Mary Lawrence. Good morning. Our show, Evidence of Design, we critique income and wealth inequality, investigate why there's so much economic inequality going on in the world, and determine what its effects Thank you for tuning in to your local grassroots radio station here in Rochester, New York. We are live on Saturday, October 2nd, 2020. What a week, folks. I thought the first presidential debate was going to seal the deal for the rest of the week. It's 2020 after all, so we can't ever have our guard down. First presidential debate happened on Tuesday, and then a few days later comes out Donald Trump was diagnosed with COVID-19. He's now in Walter Reed Medical Center, and Mayor Lovely Warren here locally in Rochester was indicted on felony campaign finance violations. Good times. Uh, 2020, the election is exactly one month from today. So uh, <laughs> talk about October surprises, I think there's going to be several more as well, which is why we're going to have to stay vigilant, stay up to date on all that is happening, and make sure we get out to the polls and vote for who we want to see <laughs> lead this country going forward. On today's episode, we will be mainly talking about the first presidential debate. Do not worry. We will not uh, destroy your brain cells by playing clips from the debate all that much. We have one clip to share. Uh, we're mainly critiquing the debate from the sense of uh, it wasn't much of a debate. And we've covered past debates on this show over the past two years, and we've had similar critiques as well, saying, you know, they're, they're really not all that much of a debate. In a democracy, one of the pillars of a democracy is to pit different ideas against one another. Therefore, we as voters can be not only informed about the issues, but then have to decide between the different sides of the issues and say, huh, which direction should this country go in order to resolve some of the issues? Well, not only do we never even have the opportunity to become informed about the issues, uh, but when so-called debates happen, it's it's nigh impossible to choose between one side or the other because it's all based on um, it's all based on sort of rhetoric and emotion.
0: That sounds about right. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. In the I know in the, in the first Democratic debates that we were listening to, I was kind of interested in the issues that were being brought up. And I think every one of the following debates had the same issues and the same kind of arguments, and it sort of just descended into chaos very quickly. And I don't even know if this debate had the, that first part of even offering up issues to begin with, it kind of just descended into chaos very quickly.
2: Yeah. I mean, no thanks to Donald Trump, right? There's There should be no equivocating here. There was one candidate who was trying to talk about issues. There was another candidate who was uh, just trying to spread disinformation. And I, I want to start our conversation today about the first uh, presidential debate. Among other topics we'll get to later, we'll also talk about, uh, you know, kind of the future of rhetoric, political rhetoric in this country and what we can do to hopefully save our democracy in addition to voting. And we want to hear from you, by the way, at 585-219-8889. Again, this is Saturday, October 2nd. We're live. WXIR studios. Call us at 585 219 Nine. I want to start out our discussion though by reading uh, excerpts from the New York Times opinion. Uh, th- this is by their editorial board. They came out with an article um, the day after the debate, so S- September 30th, called uh, a debate that can't be ignored. I think that the writing in this article really sums up kind of the points I wanted to make. And so uh, here, here's here's some quotes from the New York Times opinion piece. The debate was excruciating to watch for anyone who loves this country because of the mirror it held up to the United States in 2020, a nation unmoored from whatever was left of its civil political traditions, awash in conspiratorial disinformation, incapable of agreeing on what is true and what are lies, paralyzed by the horror of a pandemic that has killed hundreds of thousands and beholden to a political system that doesn't reflect the majority of of the country. The authors go on to write that after five years of conditioning, the president's ceaseless lies, insults, and abuse were no less breathtaking to behold. Mr. Trump doesn't care if you think he's corrupt, incompetent, and self-centered. He just wants you to think everyone else is just as bad and that he's the only one brave enough to tell it to you straight. It is an effort to dull American sense of right and wrong making them question reality itself and eventually driving them to tune out. Again, those are excerpts from the New York Times editorial board from uh, their take on the first presidential debate this past week. I think they summed it up very well. We just watched, uh, you know, one of, I think, really a national uh, almost catastrophe. It was, in their words, excruciating to watch. It, to, to see our president up on the stage just spewing uh, lies and insults baselessly for a long time. It was really difficult.
0: Yeah, I, I think that... Um... I, I don't, I, you know, it's hard to even know what to say. I mean, on the one hand, it isn't quite surprising. After four years of watching Trump speak at all, it's hardly a surprise to see him get on the debate stage and just spew lies for an hour or two. And uh, <laughs> I guess it's just really unfortunate to see that I don't know. I think that it's kind of unfortunate to see that people are surprised, but that reaction of, you know, what has our democracy come to and just the desire to have the American people tune out so that the government can be sort of sneaky is, uh, really disheartening at best.
1: I mean, the thing is for me, there's almost nothing that Trump, could have done otherwise. His platform is indefensible. His policies have been exposed, I think, by, especially the coronavirus this year, and that, you know, we have over 200,000 Americans who have died, with some estimates saying we'll have double that number by the end of the year, and, uh, he has just sort of like, been at odds with his own medical advisors and experts since this all started. And so it's not like it's not as if Donald Trump can get up on stage and and talk about uh I mean he's he's certainly tried to, he's tried to uh from his podium at in the White House press conference room. But there there's just no defending the sort of job he's done. So I think all he has left is to just drag everyone down with him and and sort of continue on this sort of war against reality that he's been on since he started campaigning.
2: Yeah, that leaves me to read the rest, or another, another, another and last clip from the New York Times editorial board, about the first presidential debate, Matt, you're talking about, you know, why should we be shocked or surprised from what Trump has to say? He didn't lay out a single piece, uh, uh, you know, a single policy piece for his next four years in the presidency. Again, he's running for office again for the next four years. That means that as a leader of this country, you should be saying what you are attempting to lead and, uh, what vision you have, you know, what is the direction of our country going to take given, uh, so many national security issues, Russia, China, climate change, uh, domestic terrorists, given other domestic issues like economic inequality, health care, transportation, you know, the list goes on and on. Like, uh, lives have to be governed, and there's a lot of things to talk about with nuance and hard decisions to make. He offered none of them. And so, again, New York Times editorial board, they write at the end of their article, as the dust settled, there were calls for Mr. Biden to skip the rest of the debates. That is an understandable reaction. Mr. Trump's behavior makes it essentially impossible to have a a civil, substantive conversation, but that is the exact opposite of what needs to happen. Mr. Biden will show up for all of the remaining debates and Americans should too. Donald Trump is their president. They need to face him and the reckoning he has brought on the Republic. Most of all, they need to vote in person, by mail, however they can, and as soon as they can. Mr. Trump wants Americans to be either too disgusted or too afraid to cast their ballots. Throughout the nation's history, tens of millions of Americans have been made to feel this way. They never gave up the fight for a fairer and freer democracy. Neither should Americans today. The best response to would be autocrat like Donald Trump and the only way to begin to extricate the country from this long nightmare is to show up and be counted. Again, that's the New York Times editorial board with their piece, A Debate That Can't Be Ignored, that came out this week on Wednesday.
0: So I'm really glad, first of all, that they went there and said right out that he is a would-be autocrat. I think that is really powerful. And I think that is something that we really saw and have been seeing over the past couple months with Trump's, you know, various attacks on the U.S. Postal Service, um, Motions to actually make the postal service less effective, leading up to the election, concerns, you know, or or posed concerns about the efficacy of the mail-in ballot system. Um, Refusing to concede the election if he loses. Well, he hasn't straight out refused, I don't think. It's just kind of a question, which is problematic in itself. But I do appreciate that they are finally saying, you know, this person wants to be an autocrat and this person wants to have control without having a vision. As you mentioned, there was no vision other than, you know, to quote unquote, keep America great, whatever that means.
1: Donald Trump's rhetorical strategy throughout the so-called debate was to accuse Joe Biden of having radical, what he would call radical left positions. Which Joe Biden would disavow. And then Trump would just say,
2: you just lost the radical left. Yeah, th- there's no actual civil argument going on here, right? And and unfortunately, I mean, Donald Trump shouldn't be in power to begin with. Uh, he lost the popular vote by more than 3 million people. And there is a, a proactive misinformation and disinformation campaign waged on behalf of foreign governments to get him elected and here we are four years later, our country's torn apart at its seams, and if Donald Trump wins the election again, American democracy is over. I don't think I'm exaggerating. I think American democracy is very close to being over, and it will be over if Donald Trump gets elected again. And shows like this, Evidence of Design, will be in danger of being prosecuted by the government.
1: Uh, not to mention just everything he's done. I mean, does anybody remember when he shut down the government for months after the uh, 2018 midterms in an attempt to get funding for his border wall? For the border and wall. Held yeah, the basically. The of millions of federal workers and contractors, you know, at ransom,
2: basically. Yeah. To just, to just take one issue, the issue that we should all be focused on right now of the litany of things that Donald Trump has done that makes him unfit to be president of the United States of America and a leader of the free world and a model for our children to follow, uh, just to take one issue of the litany of the book, that is Donald Trump's errors on humanity, is his refusal and efforts to undermine this election, the most sacrosanct part of American democracy, is a free, fair, and open election Mary, you've all already brought up that Donald Trump has refused to commit to ensuring a peaceful transition of power or even to accepting the election results. Donald Trump has spent tens of minutes in the debate and tens of tweets and uh you know hours of minutes on his rallies talking about how the election is riddled with fraud. He's talked about attempts to discredit the outcome of the election. He says in one sentence that uh, Democrats are rigging the election by voting by mail and that no one should vote by mail and that voting by mail is uh, potentially illegal or useless or filled with fraud. And then in a tweet five minutes later, he literally writes to his supporters, please vote by mail. Get your votes in for Donald Trump today.
0: Well, those are those must be absentee ballots because he did say, you know, mail-in voting is bad, but absentee ballots are fine. Side note, those are exactly the same thing.
2: Right. And so this is a crisis. The president of the United States of America is attempting in any way he can to undermine the election. An hour before we came on air today, I got a text on my phone that said my polling place was in Missouri. I, I don't know why. I don't know where that text came from. I'm not saying that this is from Donald Trump, but I'm saying like weird things are happening. I literally got a text on my personal cell phone that said, uh, hey, Jason, your polling place is in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. N- no, it's not. Um, <laughs> my, my polling place is here in Rochester, but like, I don't know what's going on with that. You know, th- there are serious efforts going on to undermine this election. Uh, none the least, the rhetoric of the president of the United States of America.
1: Well, we also know that the... um The Republican body as a whole is very concerned that Trump is losing this election. I mean, he's been polling under Biden significantly by by no less than like six point six points, I think, since polling started back in June. Um, And so we know that, for instance, there have been a number of Republican legislatures and uh, politicians who have been trying to shut down polling sites. I mean, Texas, most recently recently. The I believe it was the governor of Texas mm-hmm. who has shut down a number of polling sites in an effort to... And they're all in the urban areas, you know, where people tend to be um, black and also tend to vote Democrat. And so obviously, um, I think that sort of jumping off on a tangent, I think the Republican Party just needs to go away for a little while and they need to do two things before (laughs) they're allowed to come back and be like a political party in the United States. The first thing they need to do is they need to develop some sort of uh, election strategy that doesn't revolve around keeping people from voting, um, which is something that they've done since at least the 60s. The second thing they need to do is they need to come up with a platform that is appealing to a majority of people.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm glad the New York times in their editorial board also wrote that this country is being governed by a, a minority interest group, you know, like literally again, Donald Trump lost the boss, the uh, popular vote by 3 million people and also our, the districts around the country are gerrymandered ridiculously. So, so that in many districts, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, who turns out because it, it's meant to say that, you know, this person is going to be shoehorned in with all of this being said, with all of our negativity going on, I think still resoundingly. So the most important thing you can do if you're listening to this show and the most important thing you can tell your friends and your family is to go out and vote. I don't care whether you're voting for Democrat or Republican. The most important thing you can do is go out and vote because you are then subscribing to this democratic system. You are then putting your hat in the ring to say, I believe that every vote should count. Everyone has a right to vote just once for whatever the candidate they choose. I really, really hope everyone goes out and votes in this November election. By the way, We have the most opportunities to vote ever in modern history in New York state. Well, there are lots of days to vote early. We all have guaranteed absentee absentee ballots if we want one. We can go vote in person on election day. There are more opportunities to vote than ever. And we should be thankful for that. We don't have a lot of the problems locally like they do elsewhere in the country with long lines, less polling places. I know we have our own problems locally. We've covered them before on the show. And I don't want to misquote any deadlines, but there is still time to register to vote. I think the last day to register is October 4th. That might be tomorrow. But again, don't quote me any of this. The best thing you can do is go to monroecounty.gov forward slash elections. monroecounty.gov forward slash elections. I don't care if you vote for one party or another, or write in your own candidate, the most important thing you can do is vote. If you are not going to vote, you are then supporting the direction our country is going in right now under Donald Trump, whether or not you vote for him or not. If you don't vote, you are supporting the direction that we are going in because you are saying, I do not care enough to make my voice heard. And if you have difficulties to go to vote because of language barriers or transportation barriers or health issues, again, there are more opportunities to vote than ever. And there are lots of organizations out there to help you to do that. First and foremost, you can start with monroecounty.gov forward slash elections. If you're listening to this right now and you're saying, I, I've already, you know, maybe you've already voted. Over 1 million Americans have already voted in the election so far. That's 1 120th of all the votes that were cast. Uh, in 2016, but more and more fo- votes are coming in every day. If you've already voted, if you are already going to vote, if you already know everything that I'm saying, then what you can do is tell your friends and family that they can vote too and spread the word.
0: You can also go online and just make sure that you know where your polling place is, that you know what party you are registered for, uh, Couple days ago, you know, there were lots and lots of calls on social media to say, you know, today's one of the last days you can register to vote. So make sure you register to vote. And of course I know I'm registered to vote, but seeing all these reminders, I was like, Oh no, I have to make sure. So I went online and just double checked. So I know where my polling place is. I know what party I'm registered under. I know that my address is correct. Uh, in the system. So that is also something that you can do is just you know double check and make sure that you are registered where and um, for the polling place that you think you are.
2: Right. MonroeCounty.gov forward slash elections. All of the information is available there. MonroeCounty.gov forward slash elections. The most important thing we can all do in this country right now, regardless of who you vote for, is to vote on November 3rd, or before them, because again, there's more opportunities than ever to vote. And if you've already voted, or if you're going to vote, then spread the word too. Talk to your friends, talk to your family members. I have very close family members who don't vote, and it drives me insane. And I do anything I can. I say, I will, you know, I threaten them. I won't get you a, a, a birthday present unless you vote. I cajole them. I... I, I don't want you to get me a birthday present. <laughs> Just vote. That will be my you birthday present. You incentivize them I, yeah. with sweets. <laughs> I do whatever I can because it matters a lot to me, and it should matter a lot to you. For you know, 500 years in this country that has been marred by imperfections, but also beauty, uh, this is a democratic experiment, and this, we should be proud to be American uh, and to engage in this project and to continue to fight for a country that has a lot of room to grow. We have a lot of room to still uh, grow and a great way we can make sure that the country grows in the direction you want to do, uh, want to go is to vote. And if you don't vote, you are endorsing the direction that this country is going in, which is, uh, I think a not good direction. And I think that the majority of Americans would agree with that as indicated by polls.
0: Yeah, just to back that up, like not voting in this moment is allowing your voice to not be heard, which again is exactly the opposite of what a democracy, a democracy stands for. It is allowing those already in power to continue using their voices over the majority of Americans.
2: Right. Yeah, it's, it's not just that you're allowing your voice not to be heard. It's not just like, yeah, I don't care enough. I'm not going to, you know, throw my hat into the ring. If you don't vote, you are then literally endorsing whatever the country is doing. You are essentially voting for whatever direction the country is going in because you're not attempting to oppose that. You know, maybe you're happy with the direction the country's going and you're not going to vote because you're, you're, you're fine with that, whatever. Long story short, you know, regardless of what direction the country is going in, if you don't vote, you're endorsing that direction because you're unwilling and not participating in changing that. And so the most important thing any of us can do is vote for this November 2020 general election. It might be one of the last elections this country will have. Let's hope not. And it just as, you know, another way to have our voice shared in the meantime, I, sh- I should remind us that we're tuned into 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester, Rochester's extreme independent radio station, and you're listening to Evidence of Design. You can give us a call at 585-219-8889. Give us a call at 585-219-8889. Did you watch the first presidential debate this week? Are you planning on voting? Are you not planning on voting? Give us a call, 585-219-8889. We'll transition in just a few minutes here to another topic, but I want to um, first go back to debate analysis and say that uh, Evan Dawson at WXXI covered the debate, of course, with a panel of, of folks this week. And he had a caller, and I thought he handled it really, really well. Uh, the caller essentially called into the show and he said um, something to the effect of, you know, both candidates handled themselves horribly. They were unpresidential. And I think that Donald Trump is being unfairly targeted. And he was all Donald Trump was doing was being on the defensive because Joe Biden told him to shut up. And so, um, I think Evan Dawson handled it brilliantly. It was really great to hear someone do that. And he said, you know, he straight up called the caller out and he said, that's wrong. That's a, ob- that's objectively wrong. And I forgot what he cited. He, he might have said that, you know, 75% of the interjections were from Donald Trump or, and he also laid out sort of context and nuance for how Joe Biden did say shut up, but it was in out of exasperation. It wasn't out of attack. It was, you know, as Donald Trump kept interrupting him, Joe Biden was like, oh, shut up, man, you know, just like out of exasperation. And Donald so,
1: Trump interrupted Joe Biden over 120 times, right, over the course of 90 minutes.
2: And, and, I think it was 128, but yeah, who's counting? Right. And, and it didn't go both <laughs> Evidently ways. Evidently, someone you know, <laughs> it, it, it didn't go both ways. And so I, I just I just thought it was really helpful that um, you know, uh, hearing someone just sort of objectively laid out, no, that that's not true. And then the caller sort of retorted, well, you know, as a member of the media, you shouldn't be taking sides on this. Well, you know, I mean, Evan Dawson is, is a journalist, and so his, his radio show is different than ours, where I, I don't profess to be a journalist. I, I can put that hat on when I need to, but um, I, I profess to be an, an informed American voter who has the right to have our own opinions and try to share them in as informed and fair a way as possible on this radio show. But, uh, you know, it's okay for the media to take a so called side because there's not always one side or the other to an issue. As human beings, we should have overall agreement when it comes to the conduct of other human beings. And it comes down to treat other people the way you want to be treated. If someone doesn't treat someone else the way they ought to be treated, it, that's wrong. And it's not me taking a side. You know, that's wrong. And so uh, Donald Trump consistently treats other human beings in a way that they don't deserve to be treated. And that's not okay, especially when you're president of the United States. That's even more so not okay.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting retort, and I'm not entirely surprised, but uh, when you're looking at that kind of a debate and saying each of these candidates deserves to be treated equally when they're not acting equally is, uh, I mean, that's dangerous. And I think that kind of reflects the whole, this process that we've been talking about over the past few years where the center or like this, this so-called equal or middle ground keeps moving. And this is just a, you know, a, a mirror image of that movement where it's always, you know, there's, there's maybe at one point there was a left and a right. And then like, it's like, okay, let's meet in the middle. And then those, the left is shifting to the right and the right keeps shifting even more to the right and the middle keeps moving. And it sounds like this caller is asking for that kind of middle that's already way on the right. Um, and that's not fair. And in fact, it would be wrong for Evan Dawson to claim that it is equal on both of those things when you right. watch the debate or when you watch an interview with Trump or any time that he interacts with any other people, it would be unfair for any neutral journalist um, or any sane, or to use the wording that I'm going to look into in a minute, any reasonable viewer can't say that Donald Trump is, is in the center or that these two candidates are acting equally or in the same way. I mean, I think it goes back to so-called sort of climate debates
1: that we would see on mainstream television 10 years ago, or, or even more recently. But how we would, you know, it's always presented as two people having differences in opinion, but they're just two people having an argument. And so they, each of their arguments carries equal weight. And so it's up to the viewer to decide who is making a more compelling point. Is it the scientist who believes in climate change or is it the climate scientist denier? And the reality of the situation is, is that like 99% of scientists agree that human, human activity is affecting the climate and, and in, a, in a negative way and in a, in a significant, significantly, significantly uh, destructive way. And so I, my sort of concern with the way that the debates are structured is that Donald Trump does not have any substance either as a character or as a candidate. I mean, Joe Biden isn't perfect, but he at least cares about the direction of this country. And I think he will do everything he can to combat things like the coronavirus, and to keep Americans employed throughout the duration of this pandemic. I can't say the same for Donald Trump.
0: And we have seen in, you know, we covered many, if not all of the Democratic debates leading up to this primary election. And again, Joe Biden, while not the perfect candidate, and maybe not the one that we would prefer to have on the ticket, is able to have a reasonable debate. He's able to present views and parts of his platform. And the reason that that couldn't happen in this debate was because he was continually getting interrupted by the current president.
2: Yep. I mean, he, he is just, he's a better human being than Donald Trump. And the, that, I think that makes sense. You know, he's a, he's a better human being than Donald Trump because he treats people the way they ought to be treated more often than Donald Trump does, period. So listeners, you're tuned into 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. This is evidence of design. We spent the first half of the show talking about the first presidential debate. Again, there's air quotes around that word debate. Uh, <laughs> now we're going to transition to a recent. Uh, ruling by a judge that uh, was uh, taking on a case against Tucker Carlson, one of the nation's top media stars. He pulls in millions of viewers every night. He's also, by the way, a peddler of misinformation and disinformation uh, every single night. But a lot of viewers love what he has to say. You can let us know what you have to say by giving us the call at 585 219 8889 585 Two one We're talking about this case with Tucker Carlson because we're thinking about the direction of political discourse in this country. Again, we just went through uh, probably the worst debate in American history, uh, literally. Uh, and so, you know, what direction is our political discourse going? I've heard a lot of pundits say, well, you know, is this an exception to the norm? Or, you know, going forward, will all debates happen that way? I think the answer to that question is how we vote a month from now. The answer to that question of whether or not we want to see a repeat of what happened in that so-called debate this week is how we vote, because it is still up to us, in some part, as voters in this country, to determine the outcome of things that will no longer be an option once a would-be autocrat like Donald Trump becomes an actual autocrat. Mary, help us understand this case against Tucker Carlson.
0: Certainly. Certainly. And to preface this, I would like to just read the description of Tucker Carlson and his show from Fox News, and um, just so we have an idea of what we are looking into as we start this discussion. So this was is from the Fox News page. Tucker Carlson is the host of Fox News Channel's Tucker Carlson Tonight, which is every weekday um, On his program each night, Carlson features powerful analysis and spirited debates with guests from across the political and cultural spectrum. Bringing his signature style to tackle issues largely uncovered by the media, Carlson challenges political correctness and media bias with segments like campus craziness and Twitter storm. So I wanted to include that so that we have an idea of what Carlson's show is about if you are one of the lucky Americans who's never heard of it <laughs> I'm sorry I'm already showing he's my the most bias watched. here
1: <laughs> he's the most watched program on Fox News isn't
2: he yeah uh, he pulls in he pulls in more viewers than any other oh god I'm not even talking to microphone <laughs> he pulls in more viewers than any other sort of a cable news segment every night uh, on average more than more than four, 4 million a night sometimes reaching 6 million <laughs>
0: Um, so a little bit of the backstory to this in December of 2019, a former Playboy model, uh, known as a Playboy playmate, Karen McDougal sued Fox news saying that Tucker Carlson had intentionally defamed her on this television, on his television show. And this defamation goes back to 2018 when Tucker said that there was some level of extortion, um so sorry just a little sound issue here. Um uh yeah, so Karen McDougal had been um ha- claims to have had an affair with Donald Trump and shortly before the 2016 presidential election, the National Enquirer well, the parent company of the National Enquirer bought the story from, well, bought the rights to the story from Karen McDougal for $150,000. The National Enquirer never actually published the story, and it later came out that this was a method of taking the the story and killing it so that it wouldn't come out before the election and hurt donald trump's chances
2: that's known as a catch and kill again michael cohen trump's former fixer was involved in that and now he's supposed to be serving prison time So, yeah, you know, we're we're kind of going over the history of what we've lived through in the Trump presidency. So in
0: 2018, uh, Karen McDougal came to an agreement with American Media Incorporated, which owns the Inquirer, where she was, again, able to talk about her history. And this story came out in 2018. So at that time, Tucker Carlson covered the story and said that there had been extortion um, by Karen McDougal, Um, that, well, that she committed the crime of extortion. I don't know if he actually used the word crime in his, um, in his coverage, but in 2019, so a year after Tucker Carlson had covered this story, Karen McDougall sued Fox News saying that because Carlson had mentioned her having this crime of extortion, that she, um, that the statements were false and defamatory and that he acted with malice, which had a, a negative effect on her reputation. Um, Fox News at that time said that it would protect Tucker Carlson at all costs. And now, so in September of 2020, we're finally seeing the results of this suit. So just a few days ago, uh, at the end of September, Fox News actually won a legal victory after a federal judge who, by the way, is a Trump appointee, dismissed the defamation suit that was brought against Tucker Carlson. Um, So again, Ms. McDougall had said that the, that the comments had harmed her reputation and the judge, Mary Kay, Oh, I did not look up how to pronounce this. <laughs> um, I think it's Viscosal. So she's in part of the United States District Court in Manhattan defended Tucker Carlson and said that the host comments were protected by the first amendment. So I'm going to read some of the quotes from her statement, which will give us again, an interesting insight into the idea of discourse in this country at our, t- at this time. So from the statement. The statements are rhetorical hyperbole and opinion commentary intended to frame a political debate and, as such, are not actionable as defamation. The general tenor of the show should then inform a viewer that Carlson is not stating actual facts about the topics he discusses and is instead engaging in exaggeration and non-literal commentary. Later on, she mentioned or brought in Fox News's um, defense and said, Fox persuasively argues that given Mr. Carlson's reputation, any reasonable viewer arrives with an appropriate amount of skepticism about the statements he makes. And I think that is the most important part of this section or about this statement is that there is an expectation, according to the judge, that Tucker Carlson's show is not news, and that anyone, any reasonable viewer watching his show, should understand that it's not news, and therefore anything anything he says cannot be believed. Again, this is how this legal case was actually won. Fox News does not have to pay any um, any settlement to karen mcdougall they won the case they won it under the protection of the first amendment uh of free speech in that basically no one should believe tucker carlson anyway so he can say whatever he wants and you know this this defamation isn't real basically
1: you know what i think I think there's nothing more annoying than somebody presenting an unreasonable argument in a reasonable manner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, this this is a this is a tricky one. We need some nuance here, listeners. <laughs> so, uh, Mary, th- this judge who ruled that no Karen McDougal cannot uh, win a defamation suit against Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson's show engages in quote rhetorical hyperbole quote. Mm-hmm opinion commentary quote engaging in topics with exaggeration and non-literal commentary and that he's not stating actual facts huh
0: yeah so that was actually why i wanted to include the little description of tucker carlson and his show um to see how they described himself and to be fair it does not describe itself as a news show however it is on a news network Which would lead one to believe that it might be news. I mean, the Fox
1: News logo is in the corner of the screen for the duration of Tucker Carlson's uh, show. So, at the very least, people are primed to think of it as a news show.
2: Absolutely. I mean, Tucker Carlson makes no effort to convey that he's not conveying anything other than News and facts. He always has that serious demeanor on his show. He always has the talking heads. You know, he he commands an audience. He wields an army of viewers of more than 400 million people a night. Absolutely. There's no effort at all to, uh, on his behalf or the behalf of Fox News, to say that all of the crap that Fox News puts out there is anything other than actual news and facts. You know, this judge, such an interesting ruling in the slate of hand that, we're, that as is so often the problem with our modern world, is that the truth comes out and then it's sort of shifted away. So the truth is, and I agree with the judge, that Tucker Carlson is not engaging in facts. He has non-literal commentary. He, exa- he engages in exaggeration. The problem is the context surrounding Tucker Carlson's show is that it's treated as news and truth. And millions of people believe the things he has to say. And millions of people take action upon the things he say to cause our country to be less of a great place.
0: I think the other thing, too, is the question around what it means to be malicious in your speech. And I think that it, there is a lot of nuance in that, in that around the language of malice and around the language of... Um, you know, extortion. So they use that as a very specific term. And uh, I think one of the issues of the ruling was that because it's not a show that intentionally tells you facts, that there is a lot of leeway with what's said. But even in a show that has no basis in facts, it's still possible to destroy someone's reputation. And, and it, that is a difficult moment As to how you keep that in check. Um, And really the only way to do that is by asking everyone to be a decent and respectable human being, which unfortunately Carlson isn't.
2: Right. And, And the problem with this slippery slope argument is now can Tucker Carlson say whatever he wants to say and he'll never get in trouble for it because people will just say, well... When when they want to say when they want to defend him, they'll say he's he's engaging in exaggeration. But all other times, unless someone raises uh, a cry about wrongdoing, they'll treat it as fact. And so you have this sort of dual sense here, where you know when when Tucker Carlson can get his way, he'll be treated as fact, and when Tucker Carlson's on the defense, people will come to his aid and say it was exaggeration. And that's what Donald Trump does all the time. Yeah, I was Donald Trump. Yeah, Donald Trump. You know, in in, in five the truth minutes, truth
1: exists to serve
2: you. Right. Yeah, and you know Donald Trump's Donald Trump's whole rhetorical strategy is to make you is to make people listen to what he says and then choose the part you want to do to frame whether or not he did something right or wrong. That's all that happens. And the problem is the whole context is lost. The problem is no one should be doing that to begin with. So don't vote for the guy. Yeah, because he's an idiot. And
0: I mean, in this context specifically, I think that it's you know it isn't a crime to say something bad about someone else. It's not very nice, but it's not, you know, it's it's not criminal activity. At the same time, there shouldn't be a double standard, and there very very frequently is about who can say what and how.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, I just I just called uh, on public radio and live radio. Donald Trump an idiot, uh, and you know, people got mad at Joe Biden, calling him a clown. Uh, I'm not endorsing. You know, I perhaps I shouldn't have said that, but um, I don't know what else to call Donald Trump. Well, I think so that Donald, calling yeah. Donald
0: Trump is an idiot. Is. <laughs> You know, that's just fact.
2: You know? I I think so, too. Like, I don't know what else. Like, I don't, you know, so like. what Sorry, are we,
0: disclaimer, we are not a news show. Uh,
2: are we like, are we supposed to pretend anything otherwise? Are we supposed to pretend that we're still in this world where the middle Mary is back in the place where there's actually a middle? No. You know, Donald no, Trump not. doesn't deserve the power he has. And we should call not out on that. <laughs> it's like, I, I you know, and you can let me know if you disagree. Give me a call at 585 219 585 <laughs> <me> 219 <out>. <laughs> me. Or share your opinion on anything. 585-219-8889.
1: Um, I think it is important to note it's a small thing, but it is important that while the judge ruled that, you know, Tucker Carlson's attorneys convincingly made the argument that he is just this hyperbolic personality that isn't meant to be taken literally, That in one of the segments that uh, Karen McDougal's attorney cited, um, Tucker Carlson literally prefaced his segment on her by saying, first of all, this is truth. This is fact. And I don't really know what other interpretation or reading you could take from that other than he was deliberately misleading people.
0: That is a good point. And I also want to follow up with Fox News' statement following the victory, because I think that ties in uh, well, obviously, with what we're talking about. Um, so Fox News said in a statement that Karen McDougall's lawsuit attempted to silence spirited opinion commentary on matters of public concern. The court today held that the First Amendment plainly prohibits such efforts to stifle free speech. Hmm. I wonder how they feel about peaceful protesters marching for Black Lives Matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well we, I think we know how they feel yeah, about that.
2: Well, but. we certainly know what Tucker Carlson feels about that because he spends, uh, half his show, every single show, calling, uh, people protesting rioters, looters, anarchists, uh, Antifa leftist terrorists. Yeah. I mean, we certainly know what he thinks about that.
0: Um, yeah, I, that
2: That's is, I think that
0: is true, but I wanted to tie that to, to Matt's point, um, about this, like, Tucker prefacing with this is truth, this is facts. And on Fox News' statement, they said that the lawsuit attempts to silence spirited opinion commentary. And we see a huge disconnect between Carlson saying this is truth, this is fact on his show. And then, you know, calling it spirited opinion commentary, because those are very different ways to approach opinion or fact. When you say it's fact, but it's really opinion, it's like you need to be upfront about about these things.
2: Yep. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing. We don't have time to go into this, but it's sort of ethics and philosophy. Like, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if this is even worth trying. But um, so Donald Trump's debate. It is a fact that Donald Trump acted in a manner that is uh, inconsistent with normal rules and uh, morals. Uh, during the debate, his sole aim was disruption. It was a, yes, it was a fact that Donald Trump did not lay out his vision for the, uh, next four years of a potential presidency by him. It is a fact that Donald Trump spoke, uh, and peddled disinformation and misinformation throughout most of the debate. Those are all facts. They, they are facts. If you don't agree with them, again, going back to what Evan Dawson had with the caller, that's not correct. You are wrong to think that it's another way. The opinion is that I, the opinion is whether or not you think that is right or wrong. We on evidence of design think all of those facts prove that Donald Trump is the wrong man for the job. It is your opinion to look at those facts and then say, well, I don't really care because you know, I'm a single issue voter and I don't want their women to have a right to uh, choose what happens with their bodies. And therefore I'm going to vote for Donald Trump anyways. You know, that's how you get to a a place. In this country, we cannot have, we will never move forward if we cannot agree on the same fundamental facts. And so, you know, when it comes to this whole Tucker Carlson thing, um, (laughs) it requires a, a lot of nuance and homework and people to sort of separate their ethos from their pathos and their logos to figure out kind of what's going on. And so with this judge's ruling, it sounds to me a lot like a slippery slope to say, well, Tucker Carlson's engaging in exaggeration and any reasonable viewer will know that. The problem is, is that we do not have reasonable viewers in the United States of America.
1: I, I, I actually, I mean, I don't agree with the judge's ruling. I think that, uh, without the proper context, reasonable viewer would come to assume that Tucker right. Carlson is telling news.
2: I, I can, yes, Matt, that is a really, really important point and that's kind of where I was going. The problem is like the idea of a reasonable viewer. we, we what I mean by we don't have reasonable viewers in America is because they are not given the opportunity to be reasonable. And there's too much information out there and this free for all on the internet to have people come to reasonable conclusions anymore, unless they, you know, stay calm and attempt to really find, uh, the truth of what's going on, you know? Um, so I know that's way easier to have them done because their QAnon is <laughs> about to be elected. This is the government. danger
1: that and sort of the criticism that so many people have been leveling at social media companies for you know several years now, but very intensely these past few months because there have been they are so ripe to be exploited for misinformation.
2: Right. Listeners, you have kind of one last opportunity to give us a call at 585 585- Two one nine eight 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 nine. That's five eight five two one nine eight 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 nine. On evidence of design on one hundred point nine FM WXIR. We should probably wrap up our show today, talking a lot about the first presidential debate, talking about a recent uh, judge's decision on not to hold a defamation suit against Tucker Carlson's show, saying that Tucker Carlson exa- engages in exaggeration uh, throughout his, his program. Uh, by saying once again how important it is to vote. We'll get to that in just one second, but also saying two other big things in the news. Donald Trump, of course, diagnosed with COVID-19. Melania Trump was also diagnosed as well. Kellyanne Conway, Trump's advisor, was diagnosed and just happened 10 minutes ago. Governor Chris Christie was also diagnosed with COVID-19. Uh, all of those folks were in, involved in Trump's campaign preparations or his, his speech preparations. We'll see about uh, Rudy Giuliani, et cetera. Um, So, you know, the President of the United States is now in the hospital for COVID-19. He's receiving, of course, the best medical care this taxpayer-funded country can provide. Uh, He just underwent an experimental drug. Uh, As a reminder, Donald Trump is sick with the virus that he has taken no action to control or prevent, and 207-plus thousand Americans have died because of this virus because he did not care to tell us the truth about it and take the actions he should have.
1: I want to say real quick that Naomi Klein was... Interviewed on Democracy Now! yesterday, and I think she put the whole thing into perspective very succinctly. She said, We need to view Donald Trump's diagnosis as the epidemiological equivalent of a mass shooter turning the gun on himself. Mm. Donald Trump has downplayed the significance of this virus. He has Held rallies since at least June, in which people have been packed closely together, as closely as they have been since he started campaigning, started recampaigning the day after he was elected four years ago, and um, and now he is reaping. I mean, he he is he has finally come up against something that he cannot just dismiss and deny because reality doesn't function that way.
2: Yeah, you know, he'll probably, I don't, you know, who knows how everyone's health is. I I don't wish anyone to, to be sick, you know, but, um, he'll probably be fine. And I guarantee you, once he comes out of this, he'll say coronavirus, not too bad hoax, uh, nothing, you know, best medical care. Uh, nothing as bad as the flu. It's just fine, you know, go on to back to normal. So uh, that leaves me to say, remember folks, the election is decided one month from today. Well, I should say that we might not know the election results on the day of election night. It might take some time. We'll have to be patient with that and keep our minds open. Well, this being said, please, please, please consider voting. Again, the election is one month from today. If you are already set, maybe you've already voted, maybe you're going to vote, guess what? You can always try to convince others to vote as well. Your friends, your family, your acquaintances, your work colleagues. Gently bring it up saying, hey, are you going to vote? That is very important. I don't care who you vote for. I do care if you vote though. Because that says that we're on the same page and we're at least agreeing on the same basic fact that all Americans are entitled to a vote. Because that is the cornerstone and the pillar of this democracy. So please, please, please do consider going out to vote. So, now what do we talk about?
1: Well, I think we have to get off the air. Yeah,
0: oh. I, I think we're we're pretty much uh running out of time here.
2: Oh, okay. Well, in that case, um <laughs> Esquire hours up next. They are great folks. Matt, do you have intro three pulled up? <laughs> I mean, I was
1: just going to play the song.
2: Oh, that's great. Okay. So, uh, Matt, who's our new uh, intro and outro music provided by? It's me.
1: Really? Sastrugi
2: Sestrugi. What's that?
1: That's my band that that's I write it. music for
2: occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> new intro and outro music no longer provided by Mod- Modest Mouse, but Matt Treadwell from his band Sastrugi Until next time, bo- folks, be well, be safe, take care, bye-bye, stay tuned for the Esquire Hour at 100.9 FM WXAR in Rochester. Thank <laughs> you.